You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the room. We talk about things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 255. We're discussing Godzilla vs. Kong, Superman and Lois, and Marvel Heroes Reborn. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Carlos. And guys, we do not have Sanjay in the room this week. He is a little laid up, so all our well wishes to Sanjay. He did uh, he hurt himself doing his other podcast, it sounds like, but he will be back next week in some form, in some fashion, and he will be missed. But guys, we got a ton of of nerd talk to get to this week we are breaking down two very exciting trailers in godzilla vs kong and superman and lois a cw show and one of wb's big tent poles for 2021 in their hybrid release we're also going to talk about marvel heroes reborn a new event style book coming from marvel comics here in may and i got some opinions and we're definitely going to get into them and i'm looking forward to hearing the guys across from the table here what they have to think about this next little comic book event that is rubbing shoulders with DC's future state, which we're also going to talk to. The guys are going to get into week three of that. And of course, we're going to touch on WandaVision episode three ever so briefly, just to get our thoughts there as to what's happening and unraveling in the MCU right now. But guys, we got to get into this thing. Very exciting week in Nerd, but we got to kick this thing off like we always do with our weeks in Nerd. And guys, this week, I'm going to hand it to myself to start. You can hear from my good friend, the goddamn Batman and Craven the Hunter, in just a second. But I got to tell you guys a little story. I was I was back in the champagne room, boys. Back in the champagne room. <laughs> good Gigi this week. I found myself, you know, pining for some retro figs. And I went and visited my old good buddy. The guy got the Ghostbuster stuff off, Jurassic Park stuff oh. off. This time, it was TMNT. <laughs> so i was back there and i'm in an interesting space with my retro collecting right now where i initially started by kind of gathering up as many figures as i could my dad was sending me figures and now i'm in the stage of refinement and so i'm going through and curating my kijiji list and finding figures that i have that have accessories and are a bit better condition so I've already gone to the extent where I've collected a whole bunch, and now I'm going through and revamping, especially some of like the key figures, like your Baxter Stockmans. I got a, I got a new Raza to go with my my big set of, of Token Razor, and I can tell you one thing, guys. Retro collecting is the best thing ever. Best thing I've ever done. I say it every <laughs> I week. It. I had so much fun with that that I had to also dip into a little Ghostbuster pool here. I don't know where everyone picked up kind of Ghostbusters or how much they did with the real Ghostbusters and that, but... There's a period of time there where you had like the original Ghostbusters, the proton packs and all that from the real Ghostbusters. But then you get into ways like two, three, four, and you get into the fright features and all that. And that's where like my Ghostbusters collecting was when I was a kid. And they got to a point in that line where they didn't have any bad guys. And so they came out with like the universal monsters and all of these like common folk like a garbage man a football player a cop and all this <laughs> right <laughs> where <laughs> they just were monsters and they putting out these lines of these figures so i'm going and collecting all those because i had a lot of those so i picked up like frankenstein dracula a garbage man a football player and they have all these kind of neat little features that pop up and give you monsters <laughs> oh, those are like the signature figures for me for yes. that 
Ghostbusters line I, because they're one of the few that did it and it fit with the brand. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I love that you got getting into those ones. It's funny sometimes too with nostalgia and retro collecting. I find is that until I have my hand on the piece, I sometimes don't remember having it. I recall certain elements of collecting from the past and toys from the past, but it wasn't until I picked up this Dracula that I was like, I had this figure. But like seeing it, I'm like, ah, I kind of remember it. I don't know if I remember for the card back or whatever. But once I got it in my hand, I was astounded that I had this like flash memories. Like, bang, I had this. It's like Tenant. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like that. It's like living my life <laughs> in a weird reverse order again. I don't revisit everything. So, uh, yeah, it was a ton of fun. It was really just the retro collect for me this week. And I did order something off eBay, the first eBay purchase I've made in probably a decade. Uh, I'm not going to say what it is, but I definitely paid more in shipping than I did for the item. <laughs> oh, I'm but it was excited. a must have retro piece that fits onto something that I needed. And I needed to have it. And I had a long discussion with my dad about it because he still does eBay stuff. And I said, man, how do you deal with this shipping? And he's like, ah, sometimes you just got to pay it if you want it. <laughs> so that is the mantra I went in with. And and that wraps it up for me, guys. It was it was another exciting week in the champagne room on Kijiji. I loved it. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I go on there and it's just Bush League for me. They're like, we got nothing for you. We got nothing yeah. for you. Uh, it's, it's probably because I'm on it like, 15 times a day, hoping someone's added something new. <laughs> so, man, Craven the Hunter, Troy, my man. Yeah, man. What'd you get up to this week? Yeah, no, it's been quiet, man. Um, it's been really quiet. I've hit up the comic book store a couple times, just hoping to see a couple cool things, but it's been dry out there. So, um, when it's dry, normally I just end up buying the same figures that I already own. So, I, um, <laughs> I ended up seeing um, a Peter Parker from the retro Spider-Man wave, uh, Dirt Cheap. I think the guy was like, 15 or 18 bucks and i was like well like it's a civilian clothes peter parker like i could do so much with that so i had to get my hands on him for 15 bucks 18 bucks you can't go wrong um then i was at eb games and i came across uh a spider-man marvel legend that i i realized i never owned and i'm a big fan of the comic run um spider-man the big time when he basically uh starts working for uh, horizon labs and Peter Parker's a scientist, creator, and he creates a cool suit where he can basically go stealth at any time when he wants. He can also, I believe, transform into other costumes that he's worn before. And I was like, man, I've never had this toy the whole time. So I was like, <laughs> I got to pick him up. Um, and it's a cool, it's like, it looks like the symbiont suit. It's a black suit with like some cool green neon. And it comes in different colors. Like there's a blue one and a red one. And I believe you can get it in the Amazing Spider-Man, or just the Spider-Man PS4 game. I think you can get that costume. But, um, yeah, man, it's just it's just light work for me. And then I basically picked up uh, the comics, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later on. But um, DC Future State all day for me. I'm still dry on the Marvel tip. It's been a while, actually, since I picked up some Marvel comics. Um, but, actually, you know what? Going with uh, reading, I finally finished um, my favorite movie, man, Revenge of the Sith, but the novelization. Oh, no way. Oh, I cool. finished that book. And holy smokes, man. Like, you know, every time I watch that movie, and I guess now when I read the book, I'm always hoping, like, Anakin's going to turn. Like, he's not going to go <laughs> full Sith. I don't know where it is. I'm just always hoping for the guy to just, you know, come back to the light. And um, reading that book, man, he's he's way darker. Like, when he turns, he turns. Like, in the movie, there's kind of that glimmer. Like, he's, he's okay. But here, it's like, man, Anakin's ruthless. Ruthless. And you get a little bit more of a kill count in, in that book, too, on his end. So, um, it, it, it's a great read. And uh, now I'm going to pick up uh high republic i'm finally gonna yes. start that book because yeah. i've been hearing some things about it so i gotta dive in yeah. there did they didn't retcon grogu in did they into the book <laughs> i was hoping so i was hoping so. 
<laughs> I was hoping so, man. No, there's a lot of cool things they really build on with uh, with his relationship with Padme and how um, influenced he was under Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Palpatine is so manipulative through that whole book. It's crazy. It's it's it's. I, I'd really recommend that book. I know it's um before the Disney era, um, but obviously it's still canon. Yeah. But it's it's a cool book, man. Definitely. Right on. Right on. Yeah, yeah and we're gonna get into some of that future state. Just at the end here, as, as Carlos yeah. wraps up his week, I got to hear what you guys thought of week three. Definitely, definitely. And yeah. then we also got to talk some WandaVision, too, before I get into that. So, Carlos, why don't you run through your week in Nerd? We'll touch on WandaVision, and then we'll jump into some DC Future State. Yeah, man. Well, it's uh, it's been all about the reading, just like Troy. We're uh, becoming the Nerd Room Book Club here, because <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I just crushed the second volume of the Witcher series, so... I couldn't tell you the last time I read a book that wasn't in some way tied to Michael Jackson and autobiographical, <laughs> biographical, sorry. But uh, yeah, man, like two weeks and I've crushed two of these books and I got the next one coming via Amazon here. So <laughs> that's, uh, I don't know what's going on. And it all started with uh, Uncle Todd and just hunting for that figure and wanting it so bad. So um yeah, and that was kind of my week in nerd as far as anything outside of Future State goes because yeah, it well, was Future State all day. So, well, Uncle I, Todd gave you a, a week off then, right, before he announced a whole another couple weeks of waves for you guys. Oh, no, he, he announced two waves this week. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's your next week's end. So he gave you a, your wallet a break for a week. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I got to get, I got to let these guys get paid. Before. Yeah. <laughs> before I come to collect. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, we all we all watched WandaVision, correct? Episode 3 dropped this past Friday. We talked about episodes 1 and 2 last week and kind of theorized a bit as to what the next steps were for the show. And there's some commentary around the pace of it a little bit, getting in through the black and white and only showing a bit of the cracks in what the show was eventually going to turn into. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts on episode 3. Carlos, man. Break down episode three a bit here for me from your perspective. Getting into the color. So that had to have improved for both of you guys. <laughs> and in my opinion, we've we've got a lot or some very strong acting from Elizabeth Olsen in this one. But what, what are your thoughts on this? It was cool. It was a nice progression. We're kind of getting that natural flow. And I think they're kind of past that point of no return now mm-hmm. where um, the next episode we're going to be seeing – a lot more reveals as to what's going on. Um, with the show, I've decided to apply the most nerd room test and application to it. Like I know we adopted like the grading system earlier this year, but uh, with this show and with things on this platform, I've started the STD test. So <laughs> Sunny to Disney Plus. Would I send Sunny to Disney Plus? <laughs> I like this. It's I amazing. Like for this show, right? So it's like, Am I going to tell my boy to spend the 90 bucks or whatever it is? Or it's like, dude, you know what? Just go on Wikipedia, read what the synopsis was before you go watch the next movie. So I don't think it's quite past the STD test yet. But you know what? The quality is there. The performances are on point. It's good. It's good. They, they're they taking a shot and they're they're pulling off what they want to put down but it's it's not something that i'm counting down the days till friday for but yeah. uh it's a quality show for sure yeah definitely and i think the payoff at the end of this is going to be substantial that's the feeling i get from it but you're gonna to have to earn that 
And, you know, Marvel, to me, and I talk about earning the audience, they've earned this go at it. And it's going to be an interesting the feedback how that wraps back around to their subsequent shows into 2022 is, is how they approach things. Like you said, this is a shot, and let's see if it lands. I, I have full confidence that it will, but it's going to be a bit longer of a payoff. You know, we're we're kind of going through the early part, phase one of the MCU to get the endgame Infinity Wars <laughs> type stuff at the end. Oh, of the 100%. Right? And, and to be honest, like I would rather see them do this type of stuff than to just kind of play around with safe bets and mm-hmm. give people those cheap endorphin hits. Like, you know what? Go with something that has some artistic merit to it. And if it hits, it hits. If it doesn't hit, it doesn't hit. But at least you're doing something. And yeah, yeah for that, I exactly. applaud them. So Exactly. My, Troy, man, what are your thoughts on this? We're seeing a lot more of the cracks in yeah. whatever is being created here, whatever is being run. Yeah. Elizabeth Olsen, her version of Wanda as she turns in the last two, three minutes of the episode with the mm-hmm. mention of the twins, Pedro. There's a lot going on there. It, the episode builds a little slower, but once you get into that last five to eight minutes, it it, it really takes off there. Yeah, no, this, um, I mean, I guess it's only been three episodes, but this by far for me is the best episode mm-hmm. out of the three that we've seen. I still feel like this could have been uh, episode two. And the last two episodes could have been crunched down into one. Um, we got color, which is cool. <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm feeling it a little bit more. I'm I'm right there with Carlos. I'm not raving about it, and I'm not. It doesn't have that Mando countdown for me. No. And maybe it'd be different again if we were coming off of um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, because um, I feel like this kind of came out um, in a way in a release order that Disney wasn't really anticipating. Uh, that being said, though, I mean. It's pretty cool. The last, you know, the four or five minutes, whatever they do, that's like the bread and butter for the show for me. I, I, I get the whole shtick with like the comedy acts and like the the throwback to the old school TV, but um, I'm just a little over it. I, I Again, though, I really think this is going to be something pretty decent once it's all mm. said and done. Once you watch the whole eight episodes, it's going to be pretty cool. But this episode actually was pretty neat because it gave me a bit of that lost feeling. I'm a massive fan of lost and this kind of had that cool kind of like season two uh premiere with like that cool like old music playing like that i don't know if anyone out there's watched lost i'm sure everyone has but um when we discovered desmond who's been living in yeah. the bunker the whole Dharma. time and you get like <laughs> that darwin right and you get that cool kind of throwback music playing and that end there just kind of captured that suspensefulness and that mystery of loss. So from there, it really had me. I just, I want more of it. Yeah. Instead of the four minutes, I want 10 minutes of that kind of stuff. Um, but we're getting there, man. We're getting there. This is, this is pretty cool. Yeah. I like where we're going. You got any theories, thoughts on kind of the end when we've got Monica Rambeau being chucked out of what appears to be the vision that's happening or whatever you want to call it? Me personally, no, honestly, um, <laughs> I haven't given it much thought. I, 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 as a one and done for me, I watched the episode but I haven't really thought about it enough to really kind of do some theory crafting on this mm. one. So I'm, I'm, I'm banking on you two guys. Give it to me. What do you guys got? Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I'm still of the opinion like I was last week that she is trapped in something. Now mm-hmm. it's a bit more physical than I had expected. Like with the dome, it seems over top of what appears to be like a real town. Right. And I thought this was more like it was happening inside of her mind or something. Yeah. Same. But it seems that maybe even this idea from House of M, the altered reality as opposed to alternate reality, where she's kind of crafting all of this stuff. But the confusing part to me, 
and I think purposely confusing was when we had Vision talking to the the neighbors, and they were kind of almost playing a almost like sympathy side. I didn't get any real villainy out of them. I almost they're like, oh, we should maybe should we tell them like almost like they wanted to help him. I got that from the one neighbor, not so much the other lady. Yeah. But I got it from the man almost that he was going to let it slip. Yeah. But then it's kind of like, ah, like and watch she, But she there. didn't play it as like snippy, like don't tell him. It was kind of like, no. ah, maybe. No, no, we shouldn't. Yeah. And so yeah. this kind of flips my theory from last week where I thought they were screwing, and maybe they still are, but they were screwing mm-hmm. with Wanda and AIM or S.W.O.R.D. or whomever were trying to come in and help. And right. now it's got me thinking like – because my wife made me rewind with the Monica Rambo and Wanda scene where they're talking and Wanda flips, kind of goes back into her accent and she sees the necklace and all that. And she's like, no, like, because I was like, no, she saw an opening to try to snap Wanda out of this. And so she took that when she mentioned Pedro and then she mentions Ultron. And my wife initially took it like, no, she didn't do that on purpose. And she was trying to manipulate her in some way. And, Carlos, like, did you have any? Do you have a take on what could be happening here? Yeah, like I, I kind of think it's a bit of Truman Show myself, mm-hmm. where Agnes and Herb and Monica, maybe not uh, in concert with each other, but they're trying to manage Wanda, mm-hmm. maintaining this reality or trying to keep her from cutting loose, and, and maybe we'll see a reveal where. It's kind of like that Logan thing where Professor X lost control and ended up wiping out his students yeah. kind of thing where there was some kind of incident with Wanda where uh, something devastating happened and now S.W.O.R.D. has had to come in and manage her and keep her contained kind of thing. But I definitely think that it's a containment type situation. Mm-hmm. And Vision is kind of the red herring where yeah. it's like, does he exist? Doesn't he exist? Is he a construct of Wanda's? Is he a construct period? Is... Yeah, so I'm curious, like, I don't know, like, if, if Agnes is going to be Agatha Harkness, is Herb going to be the high evolutionary? Because mm-hmm. he was involved with these guys too, right? Yeah. So. Hey, did they did they drop names for the twins, for the kids? Yeah, yeah, Billy and Thomas. Tommy, yeah. Oh, so it's not Viv and it's not, like, Wiccan or anything. It's not, it's not any comic characters, at least, that we're familiar with then. No, not no. that I I went back and double checked that, and I don't yeah. I couldn't find really anything. I was expecting that, but mm-hmm. um, they've gone a, a different path with them, which makes you think like, are they actually real? And you know that there's comic book threads that are built into that storyline as well. But immensely intriguing, like it's it's definitely got people talking and engaged in the theory crafting, which is a lot of fun. And we kind of get the fun thing about the episodic nature of it is you get an extra piece. Right, it's like you're kind of zoomed in. You've got a couple corner pieces now, and you're trying to figure out what the the center looks like. And so it's a lot of fun. I quite enjoy it. Yeah, I, I've been seeing Mephisto getting thrown around all over the place. I've heard about that too. I've heard about that one. Yeah, Which... I know you're in love with that one, Troy. Oh yeah, yeah. that's 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 my guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I more so want to do like a watch along if if that's the case, and just yeah. see Troy's reaction. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that gift. Oh man, no, no. I well, you know what though? I mean, he is getting a little bit of a push in the comics mm-hmm. these days with the Avengers. So, which sometimes is a, a bit of an early thread to what yeah. they're doing. If there's a Mephisto legend that comes out in the next couple waves, that it's yeah. gonna be <laughs> Mephisto for <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> <laughs> then it's settled. <laughs> so yeah, episode four come up here next Friday, and definitely something we're gonna touch on 
next week. But we got to get back into the comic book talk here, guys. Carlos, I'm going to throw it to both yourself and Troy to walk me through week three of DC Future State before we step into Marvel Heroes Reborn. Give me some light before we go into a bit of the darkness here. Yeah, man. Well, like week three of Future State, I, I didn't know what to think, right? Like usually those first issues are the the big shiny introductions. Everything's new. Uh, everything's different and it'll just captivate you with these new worlds and trying to figure out what's going on. And this third week is where you could get tripped up where it's like, okay, well, we know a few things and uh, we're starting to craft some theories and we're starting to figure out these characters a little bit. So this is where you could let me down. And it's like, so as I've been reading these books, I had like a recommend, honorable mentions, and then ones that didn't quite land for me out of the six books that ended up coming out five of them went into the recommend <laughs> awesome <laughs> and one of them went into honorable mentions and it was just because i was like uh, maybe people won't like the backups that much but the main story was amazing like every book this week blew me away and there was even ones that i picked up kind of grudgingly i was like uh, i don't know if i want catwoman i was, was kind of happy to leave selena with like the main book where they left her and Shazam, I, I was like, Ugh, I, I got no time for this. Man, I ended up loving that Shazam book. Like, it was incredible. I, I can see where people who, who love the, the innocent and pure Shazam that was in that movie and stuff, not being very happy with where they take this character. But man, they did cool stuff. And if you're going to have a Mephisto-type character, this is how you use them. It's the way they did it in the Shazam book, because... Like you almost, you honestly can't say anything about it because it gets pretty spoilery pretty quick. But you see Shazam as being uh, the heavy hitter, at least, of the Justice League, and the rest of the Justice League kind of questioning what this dude's all about. And then when you see the reveals and you have characters like the Question peeling back the layers of the onion, oh, it was amazing. The Catwoman book such a cool place to take Selena in the wake of everything else that's going on in Gotham city to have her being kind of the queen of this, of all the kids that have been left behind with the magistrate and all these other forces coming into Gotham city, these forgotten kids become her strays and they're who she's advocating for and who she's trying to protect and empower and where that story ends up. Like, Comic books now, the reveals at the end of them, you see them coming from a mile away. <laughs> they hit me with three. And I, it was like a TKO, man. Like, I was like, what do you mean this is what oh, this person's involved? And what do you mean this guy? Like, unbelievable. This unbelievable. is cool. The importance yeah. that I want to highlight here for everyone listening too is Carlos has got decades of comic book reading and primarily focused in DC under his belt. And so the fact that they can come out and keep you jaw dropped through three weeks of this that to me is more impressive than anything yeah man like if anything like with future state you just got to keep an open mind and just be just allow them to tell this story mm -hmm. it's something new it's something different and it's like it's not going to have those trappings of batman beyond where it's like this is the thing that i know just kind of change a little bit it's like no we're going to throw things on their head like man next batman I freaking love that guy. And not just because I love podcasting with him. It's like his character <laughs> is so interesting and he shows up in two books this week. 
And yeah. both of them. Just amazing. A- amazing. Like, but Troy, take it away, man. I'm just like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're on next Batman. We're on Nightwing. Yeah. And we got that yeah. Siege book, too. Yeah, man. Well, I don't know how I come down off of that, man. But yeah, starting with my boy Nightwing, man. Um, so cool, so cool to be reading this book, um, because it's a, it's not a huge different take on Dick, but it's a a take on Dick Grayson that makes a lot of sense for the circumstances that he's dealing with. Now, we mentioned before that Future State kind of has about three different timelines, same timelines, but three different time jumps. So you kind of have like a ten year gap, and then like a I don't know, like a fifteen year gap, and then there's like another like distant one. Um, this Nightwing looks like it takes place. I'm not too sure when with the with the Teen Titans because the Teen Titans Dick Grayson's in a different place, mm-hmm. right? Um, anyways, this Dick Grayson here, there's no Batman. Batman's uh, presumed dead, and um, he's a little more um, seasoned and a little more not brutal, but he's he's a little less um, I don't know, a little less uh, Dick Grayson go lucky kind of character right now, oh, and uh, and it's cool, man. He's doing some things that I'm like wicked. But the coolest thing for me in this book is his interaction with um tim fox's batman i thought that was really cool to see that you know in the past you would have you know batman kind of sit dick grayson down and tell him where to go but when this batman kind of approaches uh dick grayson's nightwing it's like no nightwing gets the upper hand on him and he's like by all means i could be batman i could be you but i'm not and it's i was just like cool (laughs) like this character this writer knows how to treat both characters without taking down anyone's um I guess character really, and I, I really respected that. So Nightwing for me was a huge highlight. Batman number two was was fantastic. Um, it's, I think that might be probably the top two, top three books that you got to check out. I really like this series of what they're doing with Batman. But for me, man, um, it was Superman, the new Superman, uh, Worlds of War. This book for me had me jumping off my seat because for me, uh, I was a big fan of um, Hulk's uh, Planet Hulk back in the day. That was cool, but Tim and I were both huge fans of 2015 Secret Wars, mm-hmm. and the cool thing with Secret War is they took this cool story where they had uh, they revisited Planet Hulk, but they had Captain America on the hunt for his boy Bucky, and he was cool, man. He was like Conan the Barbarian, and it was is this is a really cool look on Steve Rogers, and that's what they're doing with this Superman. He's kind of in like this battle world arena style fighting for his life off planet nobody knows where superman is and when you go back to earth you get everyone's kind of perspectives of what superman is and it's kind of meta because it's kind of like how we you know after watching basically even man of steel we all have our perspectives of what superman is and what he should be and it's cool how this book kind of touches on that and i just thought it was a really cool thing uh to see where superman is and where the world just really thinks or, or how the world sees superman was i thought it was a really fantastic book and i cannot wait to finish it, I think there's, I think it's four issues. The Superman book, yeah, I could be wrong. It's either four or two issues. And that Michael Janin art, oh, uh, the, so good. The, like, the, the art was, I well, and then going to art too. So the other book that I read was uh, the Wonder Woman, the Immortal <laughs> Wonder Woman, and the art in that was like, it's like nothing I've ever seen before oh, in a comic Jen book. Bartel and um, and the colors. way that book opens up with a uh, with a Force Ghost, Bruce Wayne, Batman, which is. So cool. Um, Wonder Woman, you know, going to the Batcave. Uh, and this looks like it's been years. Like probably the deepest we've been away from the main timeline of DC in this future state, I would say. Yeah. But the Batcave looks abandoned. And I don't even think there's even mortals left on the planet, really. Um, 
I don't want to really spoil anything. So it's so hard to, you know, talk about this without spoiling it. Cause I want everyone to go out there and read this book, but basically immortal wonder woman is a fantastic read with incredible art. Uh, you get some cool people popping up in this book that I won't mention. Um, uh, but I really like where Diana is in this world. I didn't read the other book with, uh, Nubia, I believe. Yeah. That was uh, the backup. Carlos could one. touch on that. You, you check that out. But, uh, basically for me, man, my, my future state, uh, week three has been a huge hit. I might even like it more than season two or, or week two. Week one was fire. Week two was great, but week three is. Huh, huh. Yeah, Man. week three. Yeah, and the backups were pretty good. Like the backups in the Superman book, they were different, but they were kind of cool where they took like different characters, like the Midnighter, to kind of inform mm-hmm. the world, the war world that Superman's on. Like, because it's going to be a different version of Mongols' war world because it's future state. And yeah. then, like, their take on, uh, I don't even want to say the name, but at the end, like, it, it was just kind of a neat way to flesh out the worlds but tell new stories and use new artists and new writers and whatnot. Yeah. And, yeah, man, if you if you have an open mind and just want to read cool comics, like, this is where it's at. And you don't, yeah. like, you get cool, cool comics, something you've never seen, but a few of those tropes and trappings and those characters that you love and like, and the respect like Troy nailed it when he talked yeah. about the respect with Dick Grayson and Tim Fox like yeah it was cool where it was like <laughs> it's just like yeah I could be Batman but I probably shouldn't be because I'm in a bad space right now <laughs> and Tim's like yeah that's cool and I'm cool being Batman and that's and he's like yeah yeah and you're cool being Batman I, I like that so let's uh let's wreck shop and Tim's like ah yeah dude are you sure you're okay like it, <laughs> it was cool man i read i read a few pages yep. of that book like a couple times over in the single awesome. sitting like it was it was awesome oh, man. yeah man it, it, no i feel that i feel that for sure it, it's so great to hear like the energy behind these recommends and these books that you guys have and it's refreshing right you the cool thing about this too that has me intrigued and i i'm i am gonna get into it but it it's limited for now i say for now mm. because i guess based off of this hype i'm sure that that is pretty widespread that you're likely to get this revisited down the road given the likely success of it but having this kind of contained event style of a book where you can run through four epi- or four issues and consume a lot of dc without the baggage it's it's a really cool way of approaching an totally. event right and like you say coming at it with that open mind um is important and it's important for a lot of stories, but the legacy DC Marvel stuff does come with quite a bit of baggage at times. Mm-hmm. And you have to get over that hurdle to appreciate some of the storytelling that's happening. Now, as we shift gears with that in mind over to the Marvel side of things, Marvel teased last week what I thought was an event, Heroes Reborn. And so you go back to the mid-90s and there there was a status quo change under the brand of Heroes Reborn. The creators at Marvel handed off the reins to a group of, you can call them rogues, (laughs) that took off from Marvel and started Image. And they basically farmed out a bunch of their mainstay characters, including Cap and the Avengers and that, to these creators to give them a bit of a a rebrand, a refresh, kind of that hard edge that maybe they were looking for at the time. This comes... You know, the big barrel-chested Captain America gets chucked around from time to time, right? That's permanently singed in my memory. Life from that classic. Era. <laughs> from that <laughs> era of comics. I swear Ramita Jr. drew that picture of Cap 
just leaking or whatever is going on just to try and help out Rob Liefeld. Oh, man. That was... Yeah, between those two images, like, singed in my brain and not for good, man. Anyone... Like, that that Heroes Reborn cap, that image, I don't even know how that made it past, like, any sort of creative no. checks and balances. You got to find... The one thing I give it, the one thing I give it, actually, is, like, it's, it's a horrible picture, but I've always loved that Captain America costume. It's a very subtle yeah. change, but I loved the eagle or whatever on his head instead of the A. I've yeah, always been it is like cool. just a big fan of like that look. Yeah. With that the actual body is like messed yeah, up. <laughs> totally. With that, you, you got to find it. Somebody on the internet had took it and they basically did an x-ray and put like a skeleton <laughs> yeah, and that. what it would have to look like. In there. And it is just hilarious. Yeah. It's great. Badly it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So it was Liefeld and Jim Lee, I believe, that, uh, that did spearhead Heroes Reborn in the mid-90s there. Now they've taken that, that name – and repurposed it here for, again, what I thought was an event. And there's some hype and excitement. I think we talked off pod about this. And Troy, you thought this was maybe, or maybe it was Sanjay, maybe it was Marvel's answer to DC Future State, that they were going to do a bit of a pause. And you had even talked about it in the past, Troy, whether it was DM or on the pod, about kind of hitting the reset button on Marvel right now and giving something fresh and new and different and maybe putting 616 into the vault. And this you know, kind of was something we discussed as, as a potential for that is heroes reborn, right? It, it kind of speaks to the idea that there's going to be some rebirth reborn, you know, it kind of feels that way a little bit, but it turns out with subsequent information, news and a trailer that this in fact is more just an event style of book that is culminating Jason Aaron and Ed McGuinness's run on Avengers right now. Now, Avengers is a book that I think you're currently reading, Troy, and you've had good things to say about that. And it's kind of refocused around some of the characters like Blade, She-Hulk, and that, and giving them some of the limelight and spotlight in an Avengers book, which is really cool. So this Heroes Reborn really comes out of that. And I'm going to read the premise here, guys, because this premise, if I'm being honest with you, really took me by surprise when... I was walking into this concept in my mind of something a little different and coming out of it, it feels like kind of a what if. <laughs> so welcome to a world where Tony Stark never built an Iron Man armor, where Thor is a hard drinking atheist, where Wakanda is a smith as a miss, and where Captain America was never found in the ice because there were no Avengers to find him. Instead, this world has always been protected by Earth's mightiest heroes, the Squadron Supreme of America. And now the squadron face an attack from some of their fiercest enemies, like Dr. Juggernaut, the Black Skull, the Silver Witch, and Thanos. Blade is the one man alive who seems to remember the entire world has somehow been reborn. And so it begins with his search for a cause behind this ominous shift in reality. Now, there's the premise. And to be honest with you, I read through the first part, and I said, okay, I can buy into this. And then I read that the Earth's Mightiest Heroes are, in fact, the Squadron Supreme of America. For those that do not know, they are what you would call maybe your dollar store Justice League. It is is literally a kind of copycat version of the Justice League. And you look at some of the art from Heroes Reborn that they release, you can kind of say, okay, some of the other guys don't. The Wonder Woman looks like Wonder Woman. And yeah. I, I got to say, this frustrated me a little bit. And I'm interested in your guys' takes because I look at something like this and what DC is doing. And yes, one company is always going to be excelling more than another. And I'm a Marvel guy at heart. I always will be. 
but when I see something like this, I just and I don't I don't have the Avengers. I'm not reading Aaron's run right now, and so maybe there is some hints towards this. But I feel like swapping your Avengers, your mainstay heroes, in a what if scenario with your copycat dollar store Justice League instead of pulling in the characters that you've built up, like your Miss Marvels, your she. Ironheart, whatever. I don't care what you do, but this just this story has to be unreal for me to even pick up the books. To be honest with you, it, it's I just it just bothers me. I don't know what it is. Like Troy, what, what are your thoughts on yeah. this? You probably have the best knowledge of the current Avengers run. Yeah. yeah what, are, what are your thoughts on this Heroes Reborn? This being kind of the climax to Aaron's run on Avengers and. It's cool they're centering on Blade. I kind of like that idea, but the premise, like, what's your take on the premise? Oh, it's whack. <laughs> this is whack. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's just no other way to put it, man. Um, you know, I went on. I went on before. I've been saying for a while. You know, um, like the universe of Marvel, it really needs to change. It really needs to be. Like, the stories have been cool. Thor's been awesome. Daredevil's been great. X Men, I love them. You know, Cap's had his cool runs. That's great. But the universe. The 616 has been so stale, mm-hmm. and th- th- there's no stakes, man. We get these events time after time, and we get the same world back right after these events. The only ones that have really made a difference, in my opinion, is um, Char- or not Charles Soule, sorry, is uh, Jonathan Hickman's X Men because the X Men status quo is completely different, and it's awesome. It's really cool to see where the mutants sit in the world of 616. Um, we've had, you know, what was it? Was it Civil War 2006? Mm-hmm. That was cool because that changed up everyone, right? That divided the heroes. That was really cool. And we've had one one other one. I can't quite remember off the top of my head right now. But the chance that Secret I Empire was pretty the, cool. A, a, Empire 2, yeah, yeah. Secret Empire, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we had we had the chance with 2015's uh, Secret Wars. Like, that was your time to really mm. spice things up, and they didn't. They went right back to it. And so here we are now... Um, you know, we've just been raving about DC's future state, and it's cool because, like, that's showing you, like, a, potentially what the world could be, and not just like what the world could be. They've literally pumped the brakes on the current DC timeline to give you these books, and I'm like, this is awesome because we're getting a nice change up in the universe and the heroes, right? So with this book, it's like you're giving me a one big what if moment. It's it's all it is. Like, as what it's, if. Oh, that's all. Is the coolest thing is is the fact that yeah, Blade is the only guy that kind of remembers like the original timeline, like. Kind of like Wolverine in um, House of M. Mm-hmm. I believe Wolverine was the only guy that kind of knew like something's off. That was kind of neat. And um, yeah, um, Jason Aaron, I, I got to say, like this Avengers run's been okay, but it doesn't hold a lick to Hickman's or even Bendis's run. Mm-hmm. It's It's been, it's had its moments. Um, the Blade stuff's been kind of cool. The vampire stuff in some ways was actually kind of fun, but they've been trying to force the uh, Squadron Supreme throughout this whole run. Oh, have they? Okay. So there is there is yeah, a bit and, of uh, foundation building there then. Yeah. So he has been building upon it, and it's just been kind of weak. They've also been pushing Mephisto in this <laughs> in this run too. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm just not completely on board there, man. I think it's it's kind of dry. I feel like it's going to be pretty forgettable. Um, you know, I, I even give props to like the originals heroes reborn because at least like how they got there with like onslaught and like mm-hmm. Franklin uh, Richards making like these pocket universes and Tony Stark being like a teenager. I think he became like younger when he came out of that mm-hmm. pocket dimension, yeah. but they did some kind of cool things. Whereas this is just like one big, what if, and I'm just like, okay, all to get the squadron Supreme. Like, why not give us like some other cooler Avengers to step up or like other characters that we all kind of 
not necessarily know, but would like make sense for them to take that mantle. You know, um, I think Carlos, you mentioned uh, what was it? Is it Patriot? Patriot at one point was like Steve Rogers, like kind of like next guy in line. He was part of the uh, the Young Avengers. Mm, yeah. Like, why not see that guy kind of you know step up? And then why don't, you, why don't we see these other characters kind of come up and uh, take on the role instead of like the Squadron Supreme? Marvel has this weird thing where they've been pushing the Squadron Supreme and the um, what's the guys? Uh, the not the mutants. It's the other ones on the moon. Oh, the humans. The humans. They they seem to have this fascination <laughs> with these two, and it's like nobody cares. They give us the X Men. Give us the Avengers, give us the Fantastic Four, the Spideys, but you, you really don't got to push the, uh, the the Squadron Supreme. With Hyperion, well, like the poor man the, Superman, like even even uh, Sentry was a better Superman than, yeah. than, this, than this guy. It's just The problem uh, I have most with Squadron Supreme is just so derivative yeah. right, and unoriginal. And, yeah. and it's hard because it's like I've seen these characters used. I don't know if it's exact Squadron Supreme characters, but they've punted them around in different events in the past like hickman used them in the uh what is yeah. it the infinite the, just to die right <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> and you've seen them poking around in in a few other events in the past just as a subtle kind of like acknowledgement to it but if this was building to like a dc marvel crossover like i'm all for this but that's not happening <laughs> but carlos then throw some wisdom at me here <laughs> i don't get it man like it's <laughs> like you are supposedly the gold standard brand but why is dc <laughs> living rent free in your head like honestly you're doing this event and like the knockoff justice league like you said they're they're derivative and they're they are meant to evoke the justice league mm-hmm. there is a guy who is batman there is a flash there is it is freaking wonder woman like if they took them to court I'm pretty sure they could win. Oh yeah. There's your like, super like it's it's ridiculous. So why? And like Troy kind of got it in my head that the Marvel universe needs a re- refresh. Me too. But I agree. And, and it's like <laughs> I've kind of been sheltered from that because all my Marvel reading is on the peripheries of it except for Spider-Man. Like Venom has always done and particularly under Donny Cates his own thing. And Kate's Thor was its own thing. And the Marvel's books that I read, they're all kind of retro stories. So Daredevil yeah, like and then, just does his own thing. Yeah. Oh, like if Matt Murdock could pick up his bags and get published somewhere else, I swear that guy would because <laughs> it's ridiculous. And so, yeah. and you talk about needing a refresh to the universe and it, you said that after one of our records and then I read an issue of amazing Spider-Man and in that issue, Nick Spencer is referencing a book that was literally published in the seventies, like before I was born. And it's like, dude, why? Like Marvel, just, just stop. You need (laughs) the industry needs people to come and start reading your books when they're like, oh, I need to know about this exchange between Harry Osborne and Peter Parker that happened in 1973. No, I'm out. I'm good. <laughs> I'll just stick to the movies. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and I hate to be the guy to poo-poo on stuff before it comes out, but Me it's too. like this, I don't know, man. Like it just seems yeah. ill-conceived and it yeah. seems. And it's safe. 
Yeah. It's too safe. It, it's, it's really safe, right? Because we know nothing's going to happen. Blade's going to do whatever, and it's just going to go it's right gonna back end. to the same stale 616. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, like, you know? And I'm the forever apologist of Marvel, right? Comics, movie, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm always... And so when a premise can't capture me, I find that, especially an Avengers premise, can't mm. capture me, I find that there's something fundamentally wrong with the premise. And that's, again, that's my opinion. Who am I to judge? I'm not a creator, you know, but at the same time, I'm a reader. Yeah. You, you <laughs> and I have some investment money. in it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you pay for your opinion. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's, it's not even a wait and see for me here. It's deliver the best number one issue of all time. <laughs> or, and I, I don't know. I don't really know what to make of it. And it's unfortunate because I, I agree with you, Carlos. I don't like bringing stuff down. I don't like, you know, chopping it at the knees before it has an opportunity to, to even let us give it a chance. But I, I just, the derivative nature of it just bothers me. It was, it, it hit me at my core even today. Like we said, okay, we're going to talk about this on the pod next week. And I didn't read the premise until earlier today. And I dropped it in the DM and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, because we were kind of excited at the prospect of it. Yeah. Like, even if it was just like their knockoff future state, it's like, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Let's see what you got to, what you got cooking. But yeah, I don't know. And and honestly, Troy, like, I think that's why X-Men works right now is yeah. because like Hickman has put them off on their own little yeah. corner. Yeah. And even how they treat them, like, so they've kind of showed up in the King in Black event. But it's, cool. okay. it's hilarious because it's very much Charles being like, yo, we'll manage our people the way we want to manage them. And you, yeah. half the time you don't even see them. It's just like Charles's thought bubble as the other guys are planning stuff. It's like, <laughs> no, no, you don't get to mess with us. Yeah. You, you, you got whatever's happening over here. <laughs> Krakoa, we're good. We'll help out because it's the right thing to do. But yeah, uh, you, you kind of got a mess and we don't want any part of this. Well, 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 that's what I love, right? Because Hickman's kind of treated himself like Charles, where they're on the point where it's like, we don't owe the humans anything, and the humans don't got to do anything with us. You just leave us alone. So if you guys are having a problem, that's on you. Call the Avengers. Call the Fantastic Four. If we have a problem, we're going to deal with it on our end. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's really like how the books are actually being uh, represented. <laughs> you know? And it's, it, it's a meta thing, but it's it's cool, and it really works for me. And again, that's, that's something that um, was earned, and like Hickman made like whatever Powers of X and um, House of X was. However many issues it took, it, it got us there, and like, and that's the status quo until Hickman leaves, mm-hmm. right? But um, I know with this book with Jason Aaron, like he's gonna do his thing, and he's cool. Like his Thor run was, was awesome. Great. War of the Realms was actually a cool event, but again, we just went right back mm-hmm. to the same six one six. So you know, when he's done this whole thing, it's just gonna go right back there, and the other writers aren't gonna do anything crazy. They're they're probably gonna make little references, like the odd reference for the first two months. And then it's just going to go right back to the same old, yeah. same old. And it's just like, like, can't we go past that right now? Yeah. Can't we do more? Well, yeah, there's there's some craving for, for a bit of a change-up. And they were, they got not burned, but they got a lot of flack for the, the dramatic change-up they did with the all-new, all-different. But it's it's always going to be a balancing act, right? You're balancing mm-hmm. out reader, new readers, and you're balancing out old readers. You have to make some references to more of an MCU style in Marvel now is some of the handcuffs that they put on themselves to get new readers yeah. in. Yeah. But once they're in, let's expand a little bit. And they're going to have some yeah. opportunity with Disney Plus, with She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, Kate Bishop and that to push some of those books. This is an opportunity to do that right now. Yeah. Is is build those characters up as, you know, the heroes that, that came in two decades after or whatever. I don't know. 
Yeah. Well, and I don't know the whole put all your eggs in the one basket kind of thing, right? Like with the Spider-Verse characters. It's like these are all really cool, really interesting characters. Why do you need every single one of them in Peter Parker's New York? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's, that that has to go. It doesn't do any of them favors. <laughs> and it yeah. makes Peter's stories kind of dumb too. It's just like – because my daughter is reading Gwen Stacy's Spider- Spider-Ghost. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like she's on like the third trade of it. And it's like this is such a cool world. And it's like I go to put her to bed and I go in there and she's been reading and she's like showing me. She's like, oh, like this Matt Murdock, he's such a prick. Like he's <laughs> he's got Captain Stacy locked up. I was like, whoa, you pack your bags and you get out of my house talking about Matt Murdock like that. But it's like I'm flipping through the book and it's like he's the mayor of that version of New York. and he Or no, he's not even the mayor. He's like kingpin. And he's cool. moving all these cool. pieces and he's manipulating Spider-Gwen. And it's like, this is a way more interesting and rewarding story than her being the fifth Spider-Person in the 616 exactly. New York, right? So Exactly. I don't know. I don't know, man. Well. Yeah. It's the universe, man. They got to change it up. They got to change it up. Yeah. Ref- and that's that's been Marvel's problem for quite some time now, I would say. It's just that, that same universe. It, at least at one point, we had the Ultimate Universe yeah. to bounce between that and then the 616. That was pretty cool. And now that's obviously been kind of demolished. Kind of, well, they just rushed Miles Morales out of that universe. Like, it's, like they got him. Yeah. They, they yanked him out a couple times, right? And yeah. to get him into the main continuity and all that. But but again, it's I we'll see. <laughs> Not a wait and see, but we'll see how this unrolls so it's a may release date on this and you've got aaron's book building into it and let's see if uh marvel can capture us once again here my my bet is on uh on the more negative side than it usually is with this one <laughs> but uh is this a summer release may so early summer may yeah. okay so say so we usually get an avengers event in around the may time kind of usually yeah. in line with a, a big film release to get people hyped up and all that, but uh, but let's move on, guys. Let's let's go to some of these trailers we got to talk about this week. We got two big big trailers that drop: Superman and Lois, CW show, and in Godzilla versus Kong. So let's start off with Superman and Lois. So this trailer dropped again to great fanfare. Now this is a character, Superman, that has and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, has had some presence in the Arrowverse, and this seems to be within the Arrowverse itself, sharing that continuity that's been built out through Flash. Arrow and a few of the other book or a few of the other shows that have played out over the last couple of years. Uh, we have a returning Superman and I believe Lois, the characters and actors. But this, the premise of this struck me and kind of the tone of the trailer struck me as well. It appears that Superman is, is married, two kids back on the farm, the Kent farm and dealing with a, a bit of the parenting life and living in a world filled with social anxieties and complex parenting. And also Superman. But <laughs> the thing that, that I loved about it was the tone of the trailer. It felt, in a lot parts, like a cinematic trailer to me. They had a great score. The visuals were excellent. The story was vague enough for a two-hour premiere. You know, you kind of get what's going on. But it intrigued me enough that we have this version of Superman, two kids, and clearly there's something else going on. So... I'm actually quite intrigued about this. Uh, a two-hour episode debuting on February 23rd. Carlos, Troy, what are you, what are you guys thinking about this trailer dropping here and, and putting Superman back in the focal point on the small screen this time around? Yeah, man. I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I was 
going to check this out. Like I check out all the CW shows and then, you know, you, you kind of forget about them after a while. But this one, this one was on my radar. Like I, I like Tyler Hoechlin's Superman when he show up in Supergirl and they used them very sparingly, which was good. Um, but then they announced the show and on the crisis uh, crossover, it kind of concludes or there's a scene where they're beating the big bad and he gets in touch with Lois and they find out that they have two kids. And so he doesn't know that they have two kids. Um, but that was a result of the, the multiverse being reborn uh, in the crisis event. So I thought, ah, you know what? It's just going to be kind of more CW kind of the flash kind of Supergirl and Supergirl's ending. But, Man, did that trailer ever blow me away. Like, the earnestness that it had to it, the look of Superman. Like, I didn't hate the CW look for Superman, but this new version, like, you can tell that the DC Universe folks have been working on this and that they got some HBO money because that's where this (laughs) one is going to be living after it's done its run kind of thing. So, yeah, like, it looked awesome. And... Like some of the things they hint at, like Conduit maybe being a villain, like that's another guy that's needed to have a resurrection in the books. It's way past overdue, but uh, yeah, man, I I was curious before, and now I'm straight out stoked based on what I was seeing here. Yeah, that's that's really cool, and a bit more of that insight into the villain has me intrigued as well, and it it shows the power of a good trailer right? Like mm-hmm. lay down a few good scenes, a good score. And, and like the expectation is, is yes, it is CW, but it's interesting. You bring in the context of, you know, maybe it's got some HBO money being chucked out a bit because it, it looks crisp. You got a few scenes of, of Superman up in space there and the suit and him lifting the car in the broad daylight. Like these are more complicated effects scenes that you're doing. And then you layer in some of the, interesting complexities of of kids and all that into it like teenagers as well not young children it it's definitely got my interest peak what about you troy yeah you know this uh starting with the trailer itself it was cut extremely Mm -hmm. well like this looks really really good um i like the lens that they're using it just looks yeah very cinematic man like this this could premiere on the big screen the first episode um like, are, did they shoot this in Vancouver like the other ones? Because like their set looks nice. Yeah, like, it looks really. <laughs> Man, really if good. they shot it in Vancouver, it doesn't have that Canadian Degrassi lens that Shazam no. yeah, has. I'll you know tell you mean? that much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, this this looks really good, and I'm excited, man. I really like the new take on the costume a lot. It, it has a little bit more of that new 52 look, which I, I really like personally, mm-hmm. of uh, of Superman. Um, I'm really intrigued by the story, too. Um, him having two kids, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Um, this kind of tells me for sure that we're, we're definitely getting a Superman movie sometime pretty soon, and it's going to be very different than this Superman. Yeah. I feel like they're giving us this Superman with kids to really separate it from like the next Superman movie that comes out is going to be probably probably more closer to our, our traditional Superman, I would say. So um, I like this, man. I mean, I remember reading um, like New 52's um, – what was it? He went by John – or sorry, uh, Clark White, yeah. I think, when he was kind of living in the shadows with his family. And I was like, I really like this aspect of Superman with a kid and then with Lois. And then obviously, uh, Tomasi's run, right? That's Tomasi at the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
of uh, DC Rebirth, and you know, just Clark on the farm with Lois and uh, and John, and I and I loved that. That was some good Superman. So if we're gonna get some of that on like not the big screen, but on television, uh, totally down, man. Because uh, I miss I miss my Smallville. That's, that's a huge show that I loved, and uh, <laughs> this this might just hit that spot, especially with some of this coming in age of kids. Oh, these there kids it is. Are completely there it is. New, right? I had, I had to throw it in there. <laughs> these kids are new characters though, completely. Like none of them's John. No, right? neither one is John. None of them's yeah. John. So uh, that's enough. That's, that's another interesting choice because, you know, if this was like Marvel, for instance, um, and John now being in future state, you know for sure like one of these kids would be John, yeah. right? Because they'd be you know marketing it across boards of the comics and the games and the movies and the etc. But um, no, I'm really excited, and this will probably get me back into um, the Arrowverse. I would say I, I I really did like Flash, but I kind of fell off. But this this could be the one. This could be the one to bring me back. Yeah, it the dynamic of the kids I find intriguing, mm-hmm. and because I don't recall that has there ever been a story told outside of comics where he has kids. Well, just Superman Returns kind of played with that, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it, it kind of brings an interesting dynamic to it, which I like. Total. Well, even that one scene where he's questioning his quality as a father. Yeah. Because they made some decisions and. It's kind of cool to see hit like Superman wrestling with what's the best way to raise my kids kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then given the unique fact that he's Superman, yeah, adds a whole other layer on top of it. Well, and it's like it, it kind of got me thinking like, do the kids have any powers? And I like kind of the intro scene of them being like, no, we've seen Superman, and you're not like, I really like that, and kind of that reveal to the angsty teens that he's been lying to you for your whole life. Like it, it kind of brings, it's kind of CW ish yeah. esque, however you want to put it. But it, it, to me, it brings a layer of storytelling that you don't have to have this big, huge stuff all the time happening around Superman to match his power sets. You can, you yeah. can have down moments when you're telling stories with him and his kids. Right. And to me, it, it does the right work. Just having those characters in there. To, to notch back and you can have episodes where the expectation is that he isn't he's not fighting a bizarro or something that has some as odd or whatever right that has to match his power set and i like that aspect of it that's that's probably got me more intrigued than anything and maybe it will fall into the common cw trope where you've got the kids doing you know the normal pissy teen thing but who knows it's it could be an interesting way to see superman clark kent dealing with uh with angsty teens. Yeah. yeah, breaking up a party, man. <laughs> oh, Superman coming down, breaking up a party? Oh, get out of there, man. Get out of there. <laughs> ah, very interesting, guys. So, yeah, debut is late February. So maybe that's something that we can pilot episode and either do it on main cast or do a little bonus episode and talk about it. Because I, I think I can, as long as I have CW. I don't know if I have CW. Oh, but... you'll have a version of it because I think we get, like, all the shadow yeah. Okay, perfect. Pickups, right, of it all over the place. So perfect. Yeah. Yes. So is he is he in the main line now? Because I didn't. Yeah, that was like another question. Event. Is it all together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is all one. Okay. So, so is... yeah, her world collapsed into. Okay, into that is ba- is the Batgirl stuff in this world as well? Yeah, Batwoman's or Batwoman. Sorry. Uh, because yeah. she was in the a different one, right? Her yeah, and she was in a different one. Let me just think here. Because I know Black Lightnings was separate, but now it's part of mm-hmm. the main CW verse, and 
Yeah, I don't know. Like I and I stopped watching those shows. Yeah. Full bore. Yeah, I don't think there's any of them that I. That, yeah. That it, it became a Barry could show up, eh? Barry Allen. Oh yeah, Barry. Good. Yeah, yeah. and he's nice. him and his team Flash are kind of the main conduits of all the worlds, <laughs> right? That's awesome. Chaining them together, awesome. but like that Superman definitely knows that Flash and very cool. They've interacted and stuff like that, and yeah, yeah it'll well, be cool, man. It'll be cool. It'll be cool to see Supergirl if she pops in because I know that her show is uh, on the way out and Arrow. Yeah, I guess done, it gives so. you a nice Superman crossover as well, likely down the road too, with with the CW show style as they as they do. Yeah, well, and who knows? Like now with the new version of the. DC Universe stuff mm-hmm. like he could cross over with the Titans because oh, yeah. the same creatives are working on it you could have that Superman parachute into your Green Lantern show on HBO if you wanted to because at the end of the day Greg Berlanti is the master of all the TV side stuff so yeah he's like the Kevin Feige for DC t- television yeah yeah wicked yeah, basically yeah. So, cool he's killing it exciting stuff and guys we got another trailer we got a breakdown here and a little bit of detail and that's Godzilla versus kong this isn't a typical nerd room film but given the unprecedented year that just passes by and the new hybrid model of film watching that has fallen out of that for the wb slate and just the excitement and energy that i saw online this weekend for this film got us thinking we got to talk about it this week godzilla kong 2021 and beyond man exactly and beyond is definitely right now we've got a film that's coming out i believe in march and it is the fourth installment of the legendary monsters verse correct with godzilla the gareth edwards rogue one director gareth edwards kind of kicking that off in 2014 kong skull island in 17 we've got godzilla king of the monsters which i've yet to see in 19 and we've got this one at the end of march godzilla vs kong and what a banger of a trailer. Like, yeah. it just, it was one of those things that, you know, I watched the original King Kong, like when they, not the Kong Skyline, but the one before. Peter Jackson? Yeah, the Peter Jackson one. I went with my dad, double feature, Jurassic Park 3, and the Peter Jackson King Kong. And I remember watching King Kong as a kid with my dad in our basement. And there's a scene where he rips a, a guy apart. And I remember like hiding my eyes and him turning it off. But I've always had these like fond memories of of King Kong, and seeing the way they presented this trailer as kind of the slow build, and then it's just fisticuffs of like epic proportions with kind of a <laughs> wild ass track behind it. I, to be honest with you guys, I freaking love. I was smiling like a like just ear to ear watching this trailer. Troy, when you first saw this trailer, you know we haven't given a lot of time or any really airtime to to godzilla or king kong in any real capacity on the podcast here but i'm yeah. definitely in for a rewatch of the three movies or the two i've seen plus godzilla versus or king of the monsters here that came out last year but what's your take on this monster universe and expanding out into godzilla versus king kong in this trailer <laughs> man this this was not even on my radar like no. growing up i've never been um, a big monster uh, kind of guy. I, for the longest time as a kid, like the game uh, Rampage that I used to play, mm-hmm. I always thought that was just like Godzilla and King Kong, not realizing they're <laughs> two completely different properties. And I saw the Peter Jackson Kong, and I was like, oh, okay. Like the jungle scene was cool, but that was about it. And then 
I watched Gareth Edwards because I was a big Brian Cranston fan, mm-hmm. and I was I was kind of let down, but I was really hyped for that film, and then I fallen off, and then you guys uh, in the DM were were talking Kong, and I was like, all right, let's see, let's see what they got, and then I watched it. And I was like, this is cool. This is cool. But then when Zilla popped out, <laughs> like he had like this little like intro. I was like, whoa, drop everything. This this is awesome. Like, and for like, for some reason, just watching that trailer, I just became like the biggest like Zilla <laughs> fan. Like I was just like in it, man. I was like, this is, this is my guy. And like, they had like these Dragon Ball Z kind of moments where like Zilla's like shooting out the beams and then Kong's trying to like, like parry it and throw it yeah. down. I was like, this is visually stunning. Like, this to me is like what the big screen is absolutely made for. You watch this on the big screen, man. Oh, you're gonna lose your mind. I was just blown away. The visual effects looked phenomenal, and it was just totally like I was just in that world. I was like, yeah, like these are like ginormous monsters, and I'm and I believe it, and I'm in it, and it's cool, and I just want to see more and more of them. And I just thought this whole aspect of like versus this could be like maybe one of the best ones like you know we're in this cliche of like versus batman versus you know civil war versus all this stuff but like godzilla and kong i was like this makes a lot of sense and i and i I gotta say man like if you didn't know now you know i'm team godzilla Ah, all day get out of here all day give me some team kong over here on this side of the mic (laughs) carlos you're the tiebreaker here man zilla kong who you siding with and what are your thoughts on this trailer oh man like the uh, I'm going to abstain with uh, with picking a side between the two of you because, like, my Godzilla love, it goes a long way, and it's deep. Oh, like, I, I remember being a kid and for one of my birthdays making my parents rent, like, some Godzilla movie and all my friends being like, this is stupid. And they were playing games and doing whatever, and I'm just, like, sitting there digesting <sighs> this thing. But, uh, yeah, man, this trailer, what a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. It absolutely blew me away like just how vivid the visuals were and the colors that were popping like they're almost showing off when they have that one scene of godzilla walking into that japanese city and it's all lit up in neon oh and then like him blasting the atomic breath and kong doing the john mcclain jumping off and then the scene in the city with kong coming down with stormbreaker like (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, yeah. I've liked these movies. Like Troy said, like the 2014 one, it, it was a little disappointing because they leaned into making it so realistic that yeah. um, it, it kind of lost the charm of what people go to see these type of movies for. But Kong Skull Island, like, Tim, you'll love it because it's cool and it's basically the MCU in a King Kong movie because it's Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston, and Sam Jackson are your leads. And and they're all awesome. And it's like, I remember kind of corralling the family to go to this movie and they're all kind of like, King Kong, really? I was like, if you don't like it, like I will buy you guys all a treat. And they were giddy awesome. through that whole movie. And um, there's a, there's a post-credits kind of stinger on it. And right away, job one was we got to find Godzilla 2014 somewhere so that we can get caught up because King of the Monsters is obviously coming up. And, like, King of the Monsters, like, the human stuff, like, yeah, it's the excuses to kind of propel this thing forward and get all these things battling. But, oh, it's a treat, man. Like, I watched that Godzilla versus Kong trailer a handful of times, and right away I just 
fired it up on Crave, man, and it was sitting there and watched that whole thing beginning to end. And it's a, it's a banger of a movie, man. So I can't wait till you see it. You'll. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. It's on, it's on the list for this weekend, actually. I'm going to kick it off with Godzilla and then go for I've seen Godzilla, and I now that you mention that, I don't think I've seen Skull, Kong Skull Island. Um, okay. Because I've definitely seen the, the Peter Jackson's one with Jack Black running around, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, man! Like this, ago. like Kong Skull Island is basically a MCU movie. Just yeah. if you're not enjoying it, just pretend it's Captain Marvel and Loki, <laughs> and they lost their powers, and Nick Fury's <laughs> coming out to get them. Yeah. But you'll yeah. you'll like it, man. It's it's just a fun movie, and it's got tons of cool shots and tons of cool monster stuff. And well, yeah. and I think that's it's, the importance of of these movies and the legacy of them too. Right. When I, when I look back at the viewing experience I had with my dad and then going into the more modern stuff and kind of their take and building out this monster verse that they have this cool concept and culminating maybe in this Godzilla versus Kong thing, I can get by all of the, cause this is meant to be just a fun punch em up Godzilla versus King Kong and just go for it. Right. And mm-hmm. not worry about casualties and this, that. It's the nuance of the fight and maybe framing out a bit of story around it, but just get them at each other. And I kind of like the intrigue uh, and mystery behind there was this ancient war and that the, these are the two remaining. F- you know, I think it's really cool to build out this legacy of these two characters and do it in this fashion. Because if I'm being 100% honest with you, the two things that got me excited, the trailer, like I said, is a banger. But this hybrid model, the way that WB is approaching this, not shoving out films like we've seen so many already show, like Morbius is gone from this year, and a few others are way to the end of the year again, which are likely to leap into 2022. But the fact that this has that line in the sand, it's coming out on the 28th or whatever it is of March. I can watch it down here. I, I really like that aspect and that certainty around I can get hyped for this movie and I know it's coming out in a month or two. And that to me <laughs> has almost got my hype engine going too is that this is going to be one of the first real blockbusters of the year where we have a guaranteed release date and we can build into it through a couple of these earlier movies that are part of the same universe. And that's also got me very excited. And because that's something that is going to be unique throughout this year is, is seeing a movie on its release date. And WB is the only one that's guaranteed that in this year. Yeah, man. That, it, it's cool, man. And the hype is real. Like, I I was reading somewhere, like, this is one of WB's most successful trailers ever. Like, in the first 48 hours, it was surpassing stuff like Tenet and Harry Potter movies and wow. the Batman. Like, Wow it goes to show that the hype is real and kind of like you hit on, like people are starved for this Mm -hmm. type of fare. So let them have it, be it streaming or theater or whatever you're safe and comfortable with. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And I do agree with you, Troy, like this, I think will play better in a theater. Like it's meant for the big screen, but the current, like, I don't think personally, I don't think we're going to be in a space here where this is going to play on many theaters, even if any, and so just that ability to say, love the trailer, can build into it, and I know I can watch it day and date drop. Because I threw a tweet today saying, to be honest with you, the way that WB's approached this for this year, I'm likely going to see 
90% of their blockbuster slate this year just because I can access it. I I don't know. It's, it's hard to say how I would react to this trailer in a normal year, but mm-hmm. this is I haven't seen any of these other movies, these MonsterVerse movies, in theaters. And I don't know in a normal year if I would have seen this in theaters still, even with the, the hype behind it. But it just seems to me it's coming out at the right time. Like, this is going to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, like the first blockbuster post Wonder Woman 84, correct? That's going to see the light of day? Or is there something in between here that I'm missing? Oh, this is it, man. I don't think there is. Like, yeah. it's, it's it, <laughs> you know? And, like, Wonder Woman 84 was a big event viewing, whereas first big movie we got to see, really, outside of, mm-hmm. I guess, Birds of Prey, and Bad Boys for Life <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> so, is, is is this uh this film because it's uh, obviously um like a universe? Um, is it all the same directors, or they've been switching them up as as we go? Or I, yeah, the, different directors, but it's kind of yeah. cool. Like they've built they've built a pretty neat premise as to why these monsters exist and cool. what uh, what they may be there for. And King of the Monsters, if it does anything else, like pay attention during the end credits but they do a really cool job just like that first planet of the apes movie mm. establishing what the new world order and status quo is that leads into this one so yeah it, it's kind of neat and they have like a a company per se or like a government agency that is a common thread through all the movies as well that ties it all together yeah i'm just looking at the creatives some of the story and producers there is some consistency, not total, but some um, on the producer side, especially. This one seems to be one of the more unique ones as far as the the producers and screenwriters. But there's definitely holdovers with with the on the creative side of things, at least maybe on the the producer side, especially. So That's there's cool. consistency there, which is good, yeah. right? And, and in storytelling, and so me having a good go at this over the next couple of weeks is going to be actually quite fun. Because I get kind of that full scope of, of the story and the narrative that they spun through this, and how and if they tried to remain relatively consistent throughout. So yeah, yeah it's cool. well, props to WB for sticking it out because I know I don't believe these movies made the money they were looking for in the first place, and these movies clearly aren't cheap to make. No. So, <laughs> um, my money's on this movie has to make a decent amount of money if we want to see this universe continue, or else this is probably uh, make or break. I would say. I mean. They're, they're throwing it all at us, right? Kong versus Zilla. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that. So um, They're going to have the benefit yeah, guess, of a lot of yeah. interested people and yep. a lot of starved people for new mindless content at times, right? I'm not saying that the story in itself is going to be mindless, but this is one of the ones that you can check yourself at the door and just go have fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah, man. It'll be awesome. Like I'm excited for it. Yeah. It's just March. Like we'll get the WandaVision finale. We'll get the launch of Falcon and Winter yes. Soldier and finish the month with Kong versus Godzilla. Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Very exciting, guys. It's been a very exciting weekend nerd for sure. We got to cover a lot. There's a lot of interesting things down the road for us. Like you said, Carlos, wrapping it into February and March, we've got a lot of things starting to build up, pick up some momentum. Film side of things, yeah, we're seeing a lot of movies dip out of early part of 2021, and that's likely to continue throughout the year. But we do have some consistency on the streaming services, which is something that I'm very excited about and can continue to plug into. But a small screen is definitely going to be 
our main avenue for visual consumption here in the nerd world for sure. And I'm really looking forward to it and really looking forward to touching on some of this stuff, guys. And like we said in the past, we're keeping these episodes shorter, but it gives us an avenue to open up to bonus episodes. So if we get super hyped about Godzilla vs. Kong, there, there's likely a review down the road on this one, which would be really fun to do. Uh, maybe a bit of retrospective bonus episode on the MonsterVerse building into this. And so there's some fun stuff we can do here in the nerd room as we build out into 2021 and really embrace the beyond aspect of what we're doing while also keeping our finger on the pulse of Star Wars Marvel and DC, of course. Guys, we've got a lot of stuff to get to in the coming weeks here. Really looking forward to it. But for this week, we got to wrap this one up. It's It's been a great time talking to you guys and hope you guys have had fun out there listening. Now, if you want to be a bigger part of the show, you can always email us at nerdm at gmail.com. You can find everything that we do over the nerdroom.net. Guys, the hunt is real. It's over on Instagram. You can find the end of my five days of figures where I lay down some fun Jurassic Park, turtles, all kinds of stuff out there, guys. So I had a lot of fun with that. You can go check out Carlos's, as announced last week. Troy graciously handed over the golden Spidey. <laughs> and so not sitting there graciously holding up Harley Quinn in the back cave. So... Guys, it's a lot of fun over there on Instagram. We're going to keep that figure fun coming there and lighten up the grid so you guys have something to look at and keep in tune with what we are collecting. We'd love to see what you guys are collecting too. Jared has been a madman out there on the hunt recently. He's got a taste of it. He's not giving it up. So big shout-out to our man, Jared, for sharing all that content. Ian, yeah, me, you too, man, over there in Japan. You're, you're having a time. It's been a lot of fun interacting with you guys, seeing what you guys got in the hunt. So make sure to tag us in those photos and let us know what you guys are doing each and every week and what you're enjoying in Nerd, of course. So with all that being said, if you want to get a hold of us, you know where to get us. Twitter handles at the end of the episodes. We're always looking for something to talk about. You can always find one of us poking around the nerd world on Twitter. So make sure to tag us. Hit us up. Use hashtag WeTheNerd, and uh, we'll definitely be there. So with all that being said, guys, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Batman. And guys, it's been a blast. We'll talk to you next week. Stay safe. Stay nerd. Be kind. And thank you very much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.